All right, here we are, episode one. Thompson Burton has officially launched, and this is our first executive meeting, I guess you can say. That's right, the, uh, and I think we already made the decision that the executive committee meetings will be here going forward. If they'll have us. Uh, here we are at Cool Springs Brewery in Franklin, Tennessee. They've been very gracious to, to let us do this interview here, so if you get a chance, check them out again, Cool Springs Brewery in Franklin. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, so it's been a long uh, three or four months. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of late nights, a lot of time on FaceTime, a lot That's of right. working with programmers and a lot of conversations. But the, the saying is that the best teacher is experience, and the best experience is somebody else's. So I have spent countless hours working out all that stuff with email and the invoicing stuff. And uh, so a lot, a lot of that stuff, we sort of have a head start, which is good. Because when I first started my practice about two years ago, uh, I was completely clueless. But what you do is you take an imperfect idea and you commit to making it better. It just happens over time. Uh, so yeah, the, the, we're gonna have problems, but we're committed to working them out. I think that's good for a law firm to have someone that knows about technology. <laughs> so I designate you as the technology partner. I'm the com computer geek. Yeah, you're uh, the IT guy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the, um, you know, we first met each other, I think, eight years ago. Fall of 2002 when we started law school. That's right. We were classmates together. And I could tell immediately upon meeting, I remember, I think we, we, we hung out at Copper Cellar, actually. I knew you were competitive. And it, it takes one to know one because I, I competed at Tennessee in the decathlon, very competitive. And, and I can just tell when somebody has those competitive juices. Right. And so right then there, I sort of recognized, okay, this is a guy that kind of kind of want to get to know better at least maybe work together right. one day. And so that's, that's kind of when I, I got the idea, maybe this is a potential partner. And I, and I think the, the feeling was mutual. I think it's about that time that I heard the expression, two bulls in a ring for the first time. Uh, Kevin and I were roommates in Knoxville during law school. And oftentimes we'd go over to the racquetball courts. And uh, you know, sometimes tempers would flare with one of our other roommates. and. Uh, you know, Kevin would never get upset. It would always be, uh, yeah, bulls in a ring, no big deal. I never got upset because I think I always won those matches. <laughs> That's for, probably for true. The record. And the person that really lost their temper was the other roommate, it, Dr. Wayne. Yeah. It's tough to compete <laughs> with a, an all-American decathlete. But I think now it's more of an even matchup because I'm really, really way out of shape. That's good. I'll, t I'll take advantage of the weakness. Yeah, so we lived together uh, on Cherokee Boulevard. That's right. In that, in that very special house. That's right. With a few roommates. And I believe we called that 749. Yeah, 749 Cherokee. And I think we sort of talked back then about maybe someday we could start our own practice. What, what it would be like. Yeah, what if yeah. someday we were to do this? Yeah. And, um, and as events would unfold, I got married after our first year living together. You sure you want to reveal this? I do. It's okay. I, I talk about this openly. Because I was so broke, and I'm married for love, not money. Uh, I just said, Sharon, <laughs> we can't afford to live on our own. Why don't you just move in with us? No, and when you say with us, you mean me, our buddy Wayne, his brother, Britt, Brit, and you and Sharon. That's right. All in one rental house. <laughs> and the dog, Spud. And uh, we made it work. We saved a lot of money. And so when we did graduate law school, I was able to buy a house. So that was the plan. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was an interesting first year of marriage, but it should go to show you that when it comes to money, we're, we're very efficient. 
I think that's true. I, I would say frugal. You were frugal. Sharon was, I believe, I, I don't know if I'd say she wasn't miserable. Was she disappointed her first year? Uh, disappointed is the wrong word. She was a good sport about it. She but, was. But we managed. So we do our separate things. So let's go through the chronology of kind of what led us here. Well, I think there's one thing. Law school, I think, the one, I think the one moment in law school when we knew probably for the first time, maybe we had those feelings that we might do something. I think it was our third year of law school. We're working with Doug Blaze in the legal clinic. Who's fantastic. Who's a fantastic guy. Uh, probably taught us everything we knew in our third year. And we're, we're partners in the, in the legal clinic. That's right. And, just by um, luck of the draw. Just maybe. by luck of the draw. I, no, I think, I think they, they just appointed each of us with, with someone. And we had our first, our, first, uh, our first case, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. So the legal clinic, how it works is uh, third year law students can represent clients under the mentorship of, of another attorney. And our mentor in that case was Doug Blaze. And who's now the dean of the law school. Who's now the dean of the law school and doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Right. I'm such a, a fan of Doug. Uh, but our first assignment was, we can't give the name, but it was an old lady in, in East Tennessee, somewhere in Fountain City. That's right. She, she lived in, she, well, she, she lived in a pretty reasonably priced place, I'd say, maybe lower cost place, and her landlord is what some people would call a slumlord. Right. Right? And so she came to the legal clinic, and it was hot, East Tennessee can be hot, and she had a problem with her HVAC unit. And she was asked, she had asked her landlord to replace the unit, and he just wouldn't do it. This was in August. This was in August. She, she also had a health condition. So the legal clinic direction was, well, you need to go file a lawsuit and try to get her constructively evicted from her lease, get her out of the lease. Well, we were called justice on wheels at the time because we weren't, we, then and probably now, we were a little, a little you know, uh, we focus different. on results. We, we thought it would be better if we went out to meet with the landlord and try to convince him to put in a new HVAC unit. So we go out to the apartment complex and we're standing out in the breezeway outside the manager's office. Okay, now, yeah, and we met with the lady first. We did. We and did. We, we were assessing our strategies and so we got the bright idea, well, let's just go talk to the guy. This, and when we say assess the strategy, I think it was about 30 seconds beforehand we said, <laughs> Okay, what's our strategy? <laughs> right, right. And, and so I, we go to the we go to the manager's place. wasn't the nicest of places. And uh, I'm going to give you credit for this idea because it was my. Idea. It was your idea. <laughs> and you go, okay, here's the deal. And I was completely shocked when I heard this. Let's play good cop, bad cop. Right. And I'm like, okay, let's see if it works. And the strategy was, I'm the bad cop. I rough him up be the loose cannon law student, nothing to lose. And Walt was the sensible one. Pull me off, talk some sense to the landlord, get this lady a new AC unit. At least that was the plan. That was the plan, and I think uh, it worked for a few minutes, right? Yeah. So we go in, and we're speaking with the landlord, and we ask him to install the new HVAC unit. We explain the problem. We, we explain to him that we went inside the unit, that it was at least 100 degrees in there, at least. And we said, what you're going to do now is you're going to go to her unit and replace the HVAC unit. Right. And it doesn't cost much money. I was the hot-tempered one. 
He was pushing back, and I said, look, I'm a law student, I don't really care. We need the experience, I'll file a lawsuit, it'll cost $100. And then I said, not so fast. Kevin, I don't know if we wanna do this. Um, look, all we really want you to do is just install the new HVAC unit. Okay. And what happened next? Okay, so I'm picturing the scene, he's got this oxygen tank, and uh, okay, I'm gonna quote him. He goes, look, this good cop, bad cop bullshit isn't gonna work with me. You guys get the hell out of my place. So we left, but the good news is as we're leaving, we're in the car and we look up and we see the guy wheeling the new HVAC unit down the hallway and he, so naturally we stopped the car and I think we snapped a couple pictures um, as he was installing the new HVAC unit. So I'd say our first case was It was very successful, it was very successful. It was uh, a, little, a little different. <laughs> probably strategy than uh, most would take, but it worked. You know, I've tried the good cop strategy after that too, and it never seems to work as you plan it, and I right. always seem to be the bad cop. Right, you uh, gotta have the right combo. But yeah, so the bottom line is we got a good result for. Yeah. That day, which is very rare when attorneys get hired and they get a result that particular day. That's right. Uh, took some good pictures, got some good stories, and it was very cost effective. Yes, very much so. And Doug, I think, was pleased. Yeah, and so then we got the nickname. Surprised. But please. Justice on wheels, which I think is fantastic. Um, so here we are today. Yeah. That's, um, uh, that was seven years ago. Is that seven years ago? Um, so when we, when we graduated, I think we both kind of went our separate directions, right? You stayed in Knoxville at Lewis King, and I went to Atlanta, Troutman Sanders, uh, to do commercial real estate. Yeah, we had to, we had to bake a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, I mentor these law students now at the law school, and. I'm not, a, I'm not a proponent of people launching their own business right away. You've got to develop some skills. And so I worked at Lewis King, which, which is a fantastic law firm, very well respected in the state of Tennessee, had some good experience, and then you went the big law route. That's right. Tell us about where you went. Well, you know, uh, during law school, you know, as you know, you know, law students, we go through this interview process, and um, you know, I was wowed by the big firm in Atlanta, and uh, I was lucky enough to be selected to be a summer associate in the summer of 2004, had a great time. Um, I think, you know, if, if you could die and come back as anything, right, they say you want to come back as a law firm summer associate. Well, probably pre-Great Recession, you want to come back as a law firm summer associate because it's a great time. You get the best seats to ball games. You know, you get paid pretty well and you really don't have much responsibility. Um, but I, yeah, I went down to Atlanta and uh, they made me an offer in the fall of 2004, and I accepted it. So uh, when we graduated, I head down to Atlanta. Well, number one, it was a very competitive seat that you were competing for. That's right. Uh, they, it was Troutman Sanders, which is a very well-respected firm, one of the biggest in the country, actually. That's right. And they pick what they consider to be the best and the brightest. And you went through that process, and and you won. Essentially, you you got you got the offer, and you you had some pretty amazing experiences early in your career, based on our conversation. That's right. I mean. You know, I went there because I've always had a fascination and interest in real estate. You know, I can remember growing up in Murfreesboro down the road, um, you know, seeing the first skyscraper go up, if you call it a skyscraper, 15 stories, you know, it was the NHC, you know, the NHC building. I was just fascinated. So I think from that moment on, I always had a certain you know, interest in commercial real estate. And so when I got to Atlanta and suddenly, you know, I see these 50-story skyscrapers, and you know, I start working on these these amazing shopping centers, and uh, you know, these office building developments. 
I was really wowed, and it uh, it was a great experience. I mean, I went. I, I mean, I jumped at the chance. Yeah. So I mean, I was I was doing my the, the commercial real estate development and investments in Atlanta, and you chose to go a different route, right? You stayed in Knoxville and went I, to Lewis King, right? I did stay in, in Tennessee. Number one, uh, born and raised there, and didn't want to go too far from from home. Memphis. You grew, I was born and raised Memphis. in Memphis. Right. Yeah, and I had my my mother's in Memphis, and my, my brother was in Knoxville at the time, and so we we decided to stay. And actually, my wife was still competing. Uh, she was, and I still consider her an elite athlete. She was sponsored by Nike uh, to to be uh, to run the 5K and 10K, and so she was still training with her coach in Knoxville, and so it just made sense for us to stay. Uh, so I took the job at Lewis King, and I was doing insurance defense work and worked with uh, Dick Krieg, who's just a fantastic guy, good mentor, and Glenn Walter, and I had really good experience. When the, the idea sort of sort of hit me to start my own practice. So this was, now how far, how far into your practice at Lewis King was uh, About this? two years, or maybe a year and a half. And I'm, I'm wired a little bit differently with, with sports. I, I competed in the decathlon, and when I got to Tennessee, there was- And I think you were an All-American, right? I was an All-American in 2002. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, I, had a good, I had a good track career, and I worked with good people. When I first got to Tennessee, there was four guys that were just amazing. They were just really, really good. Uh, Tom Pappas was one of them. He was a, a college record holder, mm-hmm. really good guy. Jeremy Racy was very competitive. I'm gonna give these guys some props. Uh, Grant Cleghorn and uh, Pat Buckeye. And those guys were at a very high level already, and I was down here. And so I had, I had examples of people that I wanted to be like that I could follow. They had what I wanted. At the, at the law firm, I really respected the people that were there, but uh, I wanted a little bit of a better lifestyle, I guess you can say. You know, the, you know, the two weeks vacation a year uh, well, wasn't was, quite enough. I mean, was it at that point that you realized you weren't quite wired like them? Correct. Right? Correct. Um, so some, we, some, people, some people are able to go into a, a law firm practice and compete at a high level and bill a lot of hours. And they love it. And they love every second of yep, it. Yep, and the model works for them. And other people, it just doesn't. Yeah, right? so they don't I, like big law. That's right. So I wanted to kind of, I had a vision of being on my own, competing, closing my own deals, profiting from it, and having the flexibility. And so I had to start my own venture. Uh, again, that's just the way I'm, I'm wired. So that's when, the, that's when the seed was sort of planted in my head. It was about a year and a half. I realized long term, five years from now, 10 years from now, I'm not going to be where I want to be. And so I had to take that chance. Now the, the flip side is, you can take a chance and fall flat on your face. And there's, there's that, that fear was, was, was real. But you just have to trust your ability to compete and, and get better. Uh, I'm of the world view that success is sort of a formula. Some people right. disagree, but I feel like good habits compound over time and that eventually you do win. So I, I believe in that. So anyway, that's when the seed was planted. Uh, I looked at, at starting a, my own private practice actually in Knoxville, even though I wasn't even remotely ready. And an opportunity opened up in Michigan. I got the phone call from, from somebody to be an in-house counsel for a company in Michigan. Uh, good opportunity, really good experience, and I took it. And so that's, that, was, uh, that was that particular so that sequence. Was, so that was 2007, I'd right? say that was, that was late 2006. Okay, late 2006. So you, you're heading up to Michigan, you've taken the job. I guess 2006, I'm in the middle of being a big firm, you know, big law associate in Atlanta. I, I remember my first year, I built 2,300 hours, which that's a lot of in hours. the law in the law firm world, that's a lot of hours. Um, luckily, Melissa 
uh, we were not married, my, my wife and I were not married yet, so I was essentially married to the job. I went in, I worked 16 hour days, every, five days a week, plus probably weekends also, and uh, learned a tremendous amount from a lot of very talented lawyers at Troutman Sanders and our clients. I mean, we have some real estate investment trust clients in Atlanta who were, at that time, it was the peak of the real estate boom. And again, we were, we were developing uh, shopping centers all over, this, all over the southeast. Um, in fact, we did one, we closed one down the road in Murfreesboro, the Murfreesboro Avenue. Um, we worked on that project. There's one in Memphis called Carriage Crossing. Um, there's a couple in uh, Atlanta, uh, Avenue Webgen, uh, Avenue Versailles that we worked on. Um, but yeah, that was all pre-Great Recession when real estate was booming and uh, I was getting exactly what I was looking for in Atlanta. I mean, that was big law, you know, big, big commercial real estate, real estate development. Loved every second of it. That's cool. And you still like it. That's great. And, th and out of those 2,300 hours, those aren't cheap hours either. You did, uh, you did pretty well. That's right. Uh, so it, at that point, you weren't really looking. And I was pretty content no. in Michigan. I was getting exactly what I bargained for. In, in Michigan, I was content. Uh, I had a client. I was in-house counsel for a company. And this is where I sort of was baptized in this industry that I'm in. Uh, I had a client who was one of Amway's top distributors had 50,000 plus people in the Amway business. And there were some compliance issues between uh, how he was building the business and Amway. And so for about a year, I worked closely with Amway, learned about their business, learned about uh, the, the laws that they were uh, sensitive to. And, and this business is highly regulated. Very right? highly regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, by the Securities and Exchange Commission, by state attorney generals. And so Am Amway had some serious concerns about how things were being done. And that's sort of where I learned about direct sales. Uh, and most people don't realize this, but Amway started 52 years ago by two guys that were both door-to-door -door salespeople and they figured out, hey, we think we can do this a little bit better. And today it's an $11 billion business. So, but going back, my guy had some challenges and it, it resulted eventually into a split. And it was a pretty nasty divorce. Uh, Orrin Woodward is his name, and he left and went over to a company called Monavi, another very uh, large juice company in the direct sales space, and there was some nasty litigation. Mm -hmm. uh, Amway sued him, he sued Amway, lawsuits all across the country. It was a pretty nasty divorce uh, that eventually got resolved, thankfully, and uh, that was my baptism, baptism by fire. And so what really got me looking to start my own practice was I realized that as an in-house attorney, the lifestyle is a little bit better. You got better hours, you get paid a little bit more money, uh, but there is a glass ceiling. And I always saw myself as, I can build something. You know, I've got the skills to go out and compete and, and build something substantial. Number two, Tennessee was always calling me back home. You know, it's, right. my, it's my home. And there's, uh, there's a certain gravitational pull yeah, to home, right? I just, I, I love Tennessee. I've got a lot of roots here. I wear, I wear a ring with a T on it, even though you're a Vanderbilt graduate. Undergrad. And Tennessee grad. And a Tennessee graduate. I have allegiance to both. It's complicated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, my mother's here, my brother's here, my sister's here. I got family here, and, and I don't ever plan on leaving again. I wanted to get back to Tennessee. So when it came time to think about, okay, what kind of services can I offer? Everything was on the table. Litigation, uh, whatever. So, no, so at this point, you're thinking about moving to Michigan, or you've already moved back? I've, I've already moved back. I'm sort of the, 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 the fire-ready aim mentality. Right. I, and I think I remember this time because I, I remember, you know, obviously we've stayed in touch on the phone over the years, and 
I can remember talking to you, and you had just moved down here, and it was you and Sharon. And Spud. And Spud and Luke. Yeah. And I believe that a baby. Yeah, well, Sienna. Sienna was on the way. Sienna was on the way. Yeah. So it was almost like 749 again, <laughs> and you know, you got, I can imagine you guys all in the apartment, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Yeah, so I had a, what I call a fume date. I had, I had money in the bank, and I had, a, I had a certain period of time that I could get by. And so the, the questions I had to ask myself is, okay, what kind of services can I sell that are marketable? The thing about litigation is that, or at least what I was doing at Lewis King Carrick litigation, a lot of attorneys can do that kind of work. So it's a race to the bottom. The, the rates aren't that great. That's just reality. And so I was thinking, okay, what kind of niche do I have? And so I had this experience in direct sales. I had no idea how much demand there was for it. Because you want to compete on service, you want to compete on what you what value you give to the client, not just price. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So there needs to be a good uh, ROE, return on the effort. And so in, in direct sales, I, I had worked with actually attorneys that were familiar with the space. There weren't very many of them. And so I thought I can compete with these guys and I, see what's happening. I can there. remember actually when you were in-house counsel in Michigan calling me at Troutman Sanders and and setting up a meeting and coming down to Atlanta and actually we pitched you for some of that work. That's right, right. yeah, when I was in-house counsel. That's right, and, and, and your guy did a really good job. Uh, it was just an unusual matter. Right, that, uh, it's highly specialized, highly, highly niche practice. And there was a firm in Denver that specialized and, and had actually successfully represented clients in this particular situation. Uh, and, I, and I believe a few minutes ago you told me that that work actually generated millions and tens millions of millions of in litigation fees. Yeah, millions of dollars. Troutman Sanders, I'm sorry <laughs> we didn't benefit from that. We tried. Yeah, no, you guys made a really good effort. But there was, a, again, there's a guy in Denver that, that was very familiar with it. And uh, that was sort of the strategy that, that we took. Um, but yeah, so what, what, I put up a really crappy website, bought some Google ads for some startup work, because I knew there's a lot of startup Amway wannabe companies right. out there. This is pre-IT guy, Kevin. Right. Right. This is, this, is, this, is the, this is the benefit that you get. You get right. to learn from my mistakes. Oh, there's a reason we're partners. That's right. right. And uh, so yeah, I, bad website, Google Ads, and I got a phone call. I got a phone call within three or four days. Thankfully, I mean, if that phone didn't ring for two weeks, I would have had to have reassessed and it, it would have completely change the trajectory. Who, who was your first client? Who called? Uh, a guy named Rupert. Rupert called me from Seattle and he had a, a fuel additive type of company that he wanted to make sure was, uh, that he was operating legitimately. And then from there it snowballed. Got another phone call, refined, uh, refined the marketing efforts, released some ebooks. I wrote a lot of ebooks, did some videos and uh, just did a lot, everything I could to get my message out there. And what I noticed was that the people with influence, they picked it up and they shared it. And all of a sudden I was creating a brand. And uh, I got in my rhythm and, and built a pretty substantial practice. And now you're pretty, influ you're pretty influential in that space, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, depending on who you talk to, there's one guy that said I'm, I'm the top 25 most influential people in direct sales. Uh, some people wouldn't put me in the top 50. Uh, but but I, I do have a footprint. I'm, I'm part of the Direct Sales Association, which is the largest trade association in the whole industry. And I'm on the Government Affairs Committee, which we oversee all the bills that are being introduced all across the country uh, that affect the space, like door-to-door -door sales and home solicitation, all that sort of things, those sorts of things. And also on the Ethics Committee, because ethics are very important to me. Because you can have uh, a business that's legally sound, but if it's not ethical, 
it's not something that I'm, I'm interested in being a part of. Right. And so the, eth the ethics committee makes sure that these models treat consumers appropriately. And so I'm pretty, pretty actively involved in that. So, so here we are, let's see. So I think you were getting established. We probably, well, I think the first time we started talking about Thompson Burton, even though it probably wasn't serious at that time, was March of 2010, I think, right? It was your. I think was I was it your thirtieth birthday party. It was. Yeah. Yep. I turned thirty, and Sharon threw a party for me, which was very kind of you to show up. It was a surprise party, and uh, we had a few drinks, if I remember correctly. We did. We we had a few drinks at Battleground Brewery. It was Battleground Brewery. We seem to be in breweries a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are, Cool Springs Brewery, and then we we, we took the party over to SOL. Right. On down on, on the so square. So it was in you and me and a couple of other, our other friends and your I think your sister and brother-in-law were there as well. That's right. And um, I think you you were telling me about the success you were having, you know, being one just being back in Franklin, how much you were enjoying it, uh, the success you were having in this you know this field of law that you had carved out for yourself, and just telling me, man, how great it was to get home and how much you liked it. It was more of a sales job. I, I was telling you that. Uh, but I was trying to get you to believe in yourself, and, and, and you weren't even asking for encouragement, but I knew without a doubt you were going to be partner at Trauma Sanders. I mean, if there's, if there's something to be achieved, you'll do the work, you'll achieve it. So I, I knew you were on that track, but I wanted, you to, I, wanted you to, I wanted to convince you that you can compete. Like I knew without a doubt that Walt Burton, in the marketplace, you can compete with lawyers, you can profit substantially, and you can have uh, a more flexible, fluid lifestyle. I was trying to kind of breathe that encouragement into you. And, and I think about that moment, that night, the seeds of doubt in my mind, even though I very much was enjoying Troutman Sanders, learning a tremendous amount, I think the seeds of doubt kind of started to be planted then. It's like, what if? Yeah, it was more, well, even though, and again, even though we had always kind of talked about it going back to our days of legal clinic, what would it be like if we started a law practice? I think at that moment, there was, you know, I, I was a little curious, a little more curious, and I think, you know, to you, you always use this term because you're, you know, a uh, Tennessee athlete, and I, you, use, you hear this expression in the athletic department a lot, you say, Walt, you're a Tennessee guy, you're going to come home. Right. I, it's only, it's not a matter of if, but when. I know, similar to your, that feeling of that gravitational pull from Michigan to come back, you know, you knew, and I, and I knew, I had that, that feeling in Atlanta. Whether I was repressing it or whether, you know, I was trying to convince myself that, you know, that is the life I wanted and I wanted to stay in that, you know, stay in Atlanta and continue my, the course. Again, the seeds of doubt were, were sown at that moment. Well, you get, you get pretty strong factors because your wife's from here and her parents are here. So that by itself, need I say more? And her parents are fantastic people, by the and, way. And now I have a two-year-old. And now you have a two-year-old that you want to bring to Tennessee. And your, right. your father is here, and That's he right. and, and he has had his own law practice. He's run his own. You grew up, and he he ran his own law practice. That's right. Uh, I think it, it, one of the one of the most interesting things about when I got to Trouton Sanders, I noticed well, or our experience was my conception of what law was all about was seeing my dad go to the courthouse every day, practically in Murfreesboro, and advocate for his clients, right? That's what being a lawyer in my mind was all about. Even you know, up to the moment I graduated from law school. I mean, I knew I was going to be doing commercial real estate, but I didn't, I think I didn't truly understand what being a transactional lawyer versus being a pure trial lawyer was about. So 
you know, when I got to Troutman Sanders, you know, being a transactional lawyer is about being in the office, uh, negotiating contracts, closing transactions, and advising your clients on, you know, all the, you know, the collateral issues that are related to that. So, you know, if you're a transactional lawyer, you, you go to court very rarely, if ever. So, for me, that was, that was eye-opening. And it showed me that, again, practicing law is more than just being in the courtroom. And I think you have had that same experience in your practice. No, right, without a doubt. It's, it's more, uh, I, I did the advocacy route because I always saw myself as being somebody that likes to argue. But as it turned out, I, I didn't really enjoy it a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a need for that in the marketplace. I work with litigators, but I love business. That's one thing I've learned is that when my athletic career ended, okay, where else can I compete? And uh, I compete in business. And I love working with competitive people like you. And I like working with competitive entrepreneurs. People that are just crazy enough to think that they can launch their own companies, that they can change the world, that they can sell a unique product that can have an impact on somebody's life. Uh, and people that, they put up with the criticism, they put up with the doubt, and they still move forward. Right. I, I, I love that, I love yeah. that. And so to be a part of that, it's fun for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes in law you're tasked with dealing with problems, right? And it's not every day that you do get to work with people like that. And I, for one, you know, as part of Thompson Burton, look forward to working with more entrepreneurs and you know, venture startups, et, et cetera. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, that's it goes to our tagline that we came up with, right? It's redefining the art of law because right. law isn't a science. It's convoluted. Right. It's complex. Sometimes it's very esoteric and old. And the art is somehow sifting through that information and presenting it to a client to get them the result that they need. Right. That's the art. And so we, we want to make sure we have a firm culture that keeps that in mind and very sensitive to that and that we, that we understand the client's needs as far as a business owner, that our job is to provide information and get out of the way and let them run their business right. and make good decisions. Right. So, he, so we talked about March 2010 we're at your 30th birthday party. We're, we're at uh, Battleground Brewery. We had gone across the street to the other uh, establishment in downtown Franklin. And I think your sister was there, your, your brother-in-law, and our buddy Wayne. That's right, yeah. And, we, and, and, and Sharon. And Sharon was there. And uh, M Melissa, I wish she could have been there. I think she was at home watching our, our baby, uh, our, well, let's see, he was probably three, three or four months old then, yeah. uh, Liam. So anyway, we're, we're at the bar, and I think we were starting to talk about what would it be like? What, if we did do a firm in the very conceptual stage, what would it be like? What would it look like? Right. We, we sort of, we didn't have the minutia figured out, and that's taken a lot of time. But what, what I was firmly convinced of is that if you read Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he says, you get the right people on the bus first, then you figure out where to go. And I, and I knew you were the right partner to have. And uh, even after we started the conversation to get this firm going, your commitment to, to learning and reading and coming up with new ideas has really been impressive. So I, I've actually been more excited as the process has developed. We knew that there was the recession going on. So we right. knew that every single industry was being disrupted, every single sector. The question was, is the legal space being disrupted? And if it is, is there opportunity? Uh, I'm of the mindset that just, and some people will, will just violently disagree with me, but th these are very exciting times because the rules are being rewritten. I mean, you can start from scratch. You know, the old, the old legacy models, they don't work any, 
well, they don't work like they used to. And so with they, legal they services, but maybe maybe things are starting to break down a little bit, right? Right. So there's there's opportunity for people to innovate, make things more efficient, right. and compete. Um, and I, and I think one of the things we talked about that night is I was telling you what I was seeing in Atlanta from a legal standpoint of what is the Great Recession causing for our real estate clients? What are, what are we seeing? And I was talking about you know our firms losing some of our leasing work to cheaper competitors, right? They've got lower cost models. They're, they they are um, you know they're doing they're doing uh, they're doing some of the work that we used to do, and they're competing differently, right? Uh, and I, we were talking about how that was changing the industry. And I think you were telling me about how, you know, you actually have a home office, right? And you actually do not have office space and you haven't had office space up, up until now because you just right. haven't needed it, right? right? And even when we were talking about Thompson Burton and, you know, what's it going to look like and where would we have our office if, you know, if we were to move forward with it, you know, I think I said, well, we've got to have office space, right? And you said, you don't need it. Well, not immediately. Now, eventually, maybe we do. And there's a, there, that's a separate conversation where, is it a traditional office space in a high-rise building, or do you have eight lawyers and four workstations, and you just you, you go in there and, and you get your work done at a particular right. spot? That's that's a different thing that we have to will eventually work out. Uh, but for for my practice, it's very project-based. Clients want a specific result. And as long as you deliver the result in a timely fashion, and you're always and you're always uh, uh, approachable and reachable, they're happy. And if you go to the website, I'm, I'm a big proponent of testimonials. And I know you're you're racking up testimonials right now. I've got over f I think 40 on my website of just satisfied client testimonials, because what they want is they want a particular result. And so, you know, the uh, on the one hand, clients are more sophisticated now than ever before. That's just a reality. I mean, that's a given. Everybody agrees with that. Uh, they, <clears throat> I've got clients that are doing their own agreements. They probably shouldn't be, uh, and they do that before they call me. Uh, but they're very advanced. They get on Google and the information's there. Right. Whereas before, lawyers were the gatekeepers. You want the result, you have to go through us to get it. And we could, because of that, you could charge whatever you want. So recognizing that clients have that increased capability, that's, that's step one and then uh, having operations to where you can deliver the result that they need in a timely fashion, uh, that's, that's certainly part of the equation. As you're kind of describing that, it brings two things to mind that I know we've talked about a lot in the last three or four months as we've talked about, you know, where is this going? And it's, um, you know, one, you know, we, we both know how things have always been done at, at law firms, right? You know from being at Lewis King how, you know, how that law firm is structured, and you know what? What did you like about it? What you didn't like about it? You know, and what things about it would you change if you could start from day one all over again, knowing everything you know now, and redesign the law firm? Right. Same thing for me at Charlton Sanders. If I could start day one, and, and if frankly all the you know very talented people that are at Charlton Sanders could start from day one and design a law firm from scratch, how would it be? We, of course, have that opportunity today. We can. We can learn from the past and what we know about the present and the future to design something that can compete on a very high level. Right, um, which is exciting. When, you know, when we started talking compensation, we started diving in the minutia. And this is now. And when we started talking about this, this is probably this is probably. So we've moved on just to set the stage. We've moved on from this is not. We probably couldn't have talked in this detail. No. You know, back at your 30th birthday party. 
but probably over that year, again, the seeds had been sown. You and I were, I know, both thinking about it, and I know we talked on the phone several times that year. Probably it was September of 2011. That's correct. I when think so. we when we really started talking in detail about doing this. That's when I right? made the phone call. That's when you made the phone call, and I think, and I think I had told you, I, you know, we, we had we had had several conversations, your birthday party, and then I know we had met a couple times in Atlanta. You had been down for conferences or whatever, and you know, I think you stayed at our house usually, and we'd we'd always go out and have a good time. Um, but yeah, that year, 2011, I was really struggling with this decision. This this gravitational pull of of, of Tennessee was kind of having its effect. I was, I was starting to feel that. You obviously were encouraging that, you know, if, if there was someone flame, throwing flame you know, on gasoline, our, on, gasoline the on the fire, it was you. And about September, August or September, Melissa had told me, enough, enough. Make a decision. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to analyze it anymore. Just make a decision whether you're going to stay here and put your head down and, you know, and stay the course and, and succeed in what you're doing? Or are we gonna make a drastic change in direction, move home, and you know, see what happens? And about that time, I dropped Liam, I remember very clearly that morning in September, I dropped Liam off at his school in Buckhead, and, uh, and I'm, I'm driving down Peachtree on my way to my office, which I had done many times, and I remember thinking to myself on that drive, you know, I'd had those conversations with Melissa, and uh, you know, I was I, I, I was like I, I need to see a sign. I need I need something to to give me some direction here. And I've been struggling with this so much. I, I need to know, you know, what what am I supposed to do here? And you know, about that time, maybe 30 seconds later, the phone rang. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And uh, you know, in your situation, you were, you were at such a great place that I could definitely understand that you were afraid of losing a lot because you had a lot. You had a great lifestyle, you had a good job. Absolutely. And, and most people, I think they, they protect. Right. And uh, my instinct is constantly build and improve. And, and to your credit, you, you went for it. So what, what led me to the phone call was I was meeting with a client locally and uh, it was something that was right up your alley. And I, I, and, and I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't do the work, I turned it down. It was, it was a good file and I thought, it's time for Walt and I to get together because we can meet with people across the state and uh, there's some good synergies there. And I said, enough, enough. It's, it's, it's time right. to actually squeeze the trigger. I pulled over, I gave you a phone call and says, what do you think, we just go ahead and do it. And uh, you didn't immediately dismiss the idea. You didn't immediately commit, but I knew I had you. Uh, you said, I'll get back to you. And you said, actually, this is really good timing. And just knowing you and how competitive you are, I knew that you'd do the right. math. And it needs to be said uh, that unlike me when I started, day one, you're profitable. Right. Which is pretty, which to me is absolutely amazing. I right. mean, you've, you've already got work lined up for Monday. So right. I think there's no doubt about it, you're gonna do really well. Well, and, and, and one thing I wanna say about my, my experience at Trout and Sanders is, you know, I enjoyed every second of it. And I left there not because, you know, of any, of that I perceived any deficiency or that I wouldn't have a great life in Atlanta because I, I would have had an amazing life. Um, but it's not home. And uh, despite having a lot of close friends there and you know, my family can obviously come to visit, again, it, it's, not, it's not the same as being down the street. Yeah. And uh, as you know, we've got our farm here and uh, yeah, just the roots are in Tennessee. And it, 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 the more I thought about it, 
the more it made sense to move home. If, I'm of the opinion that everybody needs to carve out their legacy. We, we all need to have our masterpiece. And uh, I'm not going to sew sweaters, you know, I'm not going to run a, a brewery. But I do understand the legal business, and so th th if this is where it's going to happen, this is where it's going to happen. That's right. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we're partners. Uh, my, my grandfather ran uh, the Miller Distributorship in Memphis, and uh, he did a great job. Very well respected, ran a great business, and uh, I was proud of him. And by seeing him and how he operated, I always wanted to own my own business. So regardless of, the, the, the law firm model is great, but you're building somebody else's business. That's right. I want to take my chances because I, I know without a doubt we're going to build a very big and profitable and scary business. So, so I call you probably, what, two or three weeks after the phone call. Right. And I say, look, I've, I've met with Melissa, who is obviously very influential, and we discuss, you know, we discuss these big decisions. and. Um, I said, you know, we had thought about it, and I, I decided to, to, to make the move. Yeah. Right? And uh, the scariest thing about making a big decision about this is telling, telling someone else, right? Uh-huh. Because then you're locked, right? <laughs> you're, you're committed, and, you know, you can't just change it on whim. So Ooh. at that moment, I was committed. Yeah, and what I tell you, though, during that call, do you remember? So you told me, okay, you, you made the commitment. You made the decision. You don't remember this? I well, said, well, when you make the decision, me. make the decision once. Right. Because I sensed a little bit of reservation right because I've been there when you when you vocalize what you want to do you're like eh. well it, you know it, when you're leaving something that not out of weakness right I didn't feel like I was leaving something out of weakness I left because I saw something better yeah right so I'm leaving a good situation for a great situation and you know it sometimes it takes time to figure yeah. that out but Digest. eventually I you know I made but, the decision but you did you made the decision and once then, and we, we committed and then we met we met in a, I think we met in a coffee shop in downtown Franklin and we talked about it and we started forming the the base of what would become Thompson Burton PLLC that's right and that's that's sort of the that's what's forced us to think creatively about the model because there really isn't a lot of synergy between what you do with commercial real estate and banking transactions and what I do with direct sales uh, so the, the thinking was, well, I want to give you a piece of what I'm bringing in, and I don't deserve a piece of what you're bringing in, so how do, right. we, how do we build a model that's fair? So with that kind of foundation, I think we're in a really good position. And we have a good formula. We don't need to go into it right now. But you and I, as business owners, we make money as the organization grows. Right. And to grow it, we've got to attract top, top talent. To do that, I think we're, we're going to offer a more generous compensation structure. For, more, for attorneys. More incentivized. More incentivized. Merit-based, right. performance-based, win-win partnerships. This whole idea of, and again, nothing wrong with the long, law firm model, but of hiring associates and putting them on a hamster wheel and just having them turn out dollars. Uh, I want people that will buy into the vision. Right. I want people that, that take ownership of their own personal work, take ownership of, of their business. Right. And, and I think to some degree, um, because of the Great Recession, you know the 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 bigger the big law firm models have broken down a little bit, and some of those incentives that they may have had in the past aren't working anymore. Um, and also, just in a in you know as you know in a big organization, you know it's tough to address you know people that kind of fit outside the box, right? So if you have associates that are working harder and billing more and bringing in clients, they don't. I think sometimes they don't know what to do with them. Right. And I think one thing that you and I both agree on about this, about Thompson Burton, is 
we want to incentivize not just partners, but also associates. And I think, you know, in the last week or so, I think we both have agreed, we're willing to blow up the compensation structure of traditional law and incentivize. And look, if they make more right? money than us, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not wedded to uh, an older model, so to speak. We have more flexibility. And, uh, we can certainly uh, try new things with, with our compensation model, uh, which I think is going to be very appealing for attorneys to attract top talent. And we can also do things with just our work culture. Uh, one of the things I was reading about that I'm, I'm really anxious to try is this whole idea of ROW, right? It's uh, the result, results-only work environment. And Best Buy is currently doing this, and basically it's more project-based. You, you, you get a certain task, you don't have to show FaceTime at the office. As long as the work gets done, Right. You're, uh, you're in good standing. As long as the client is happy, everything lives and breathes on That's client right. satisfaction. They're going to vote. They're going to vote with their feet, right? Correct. If they're happy with what we're doing, if they, you know, if uh, again, we're willing to try new things, right? The row concept. We're willing to try new uh, incentive concepts and fee concepts. I think you've mentioned to me several times that most of your work is through fee arrangements with clients, right. and even though big law firms. Um, and I said, well, most law firms live and die by the billable hour, and you know, and there obviously is a, a use for that at times. We're not wedded to that, right? We, we're willing to try whatever works and whatever makes sense for the client. Right, and, and again, if, if, it's, if it's hourly based, and that's what you got to do. But my experience, what I found is that when you're giving consultation to a client, you want them to have open access to you. You want them to be able to call you without worrying about the meter. And so, if they commit to a monthly subscription, so to speak, or a monthly retainer. Uh, they're going to call you, they're going to use your services more, and they're going to be more happy. And, and talking about getting, you know, communicating with you, obviously there, there are more ways to communicate than just the phone and email, you know, and I think we're willing to try all of those, right? Whatever works, whatever is, whatever the client wants, right? right? If they want to communicate by text message, then that's how we'll communicate. That's what you do, and I do that often, or Skype even. Uh, you, you, you meet them at their level to, to, to help them advance their business. Another thing that, that, that I've learned with my business is that uh, people call it social media and it almost seems like a fad. I mean, instead of, instead of using the word social media, just call it business. It's just the way business is being done. And so having a strong presence on the web where you contribute as much value as possible in the relationship before there's even a transaction. That's the whole point of social media. And so we're committed to that. Instead of having practice areas, because nobody's ever interacted with a practice area, we're going to try what we call brands, right? We've, we have individual brands focused on certain areas of the law. Right. And they're going to create and add value for real estate and commercial yeah. law. So currently we have, I'm going to have a commercial real estate brand and that website, if someone lands there, they're going to know immediately they're in the right place because it's going to be about commercial real estate and it's going to be pretty obvious. Right. And if they land on your page, they're going to know they're dealing with direct sales, uh, MLM, Entrepreneur law, and they, they can even learn what they want. Maybe they don't hire me, uh, but that's okay because I'm, I'm a big believer that you provide value first, the compensation comes later. So we have that flexibility, which is really really exciting. Right. Uh, number one, uh, the question is, uh, are we committed to learning? That's step one in any kind of leadership uh, climb, and the answer is yes. You know, we're, we're we are both committed to learning. I've given you a couple of books to read. I'm reading books, and we're having really interesting conversations about how to make this thing, this, this, little, right. this little lump of clay that we have. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm excited. I, as am I. And I think all these things we've been talking about the last few months, here we are today. Uh, we signed some documents earlier, and I think Thompson Burton PLLC is 
officially open for business. We're open for business. ThompsonBurton.com. Today is day one. That's right. So uh, special thanks again goes out to Cool Springs Brewery for opening up their place and letting us use it. Uh, fantastic people. You should come here and have a beer sometime. With that being said, we're going to uh, be on the lookout for more communications like this. And you all take care. Mm -hmm.